Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. Get some messages to the show on Twitter at go for Geo. F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You can hit us up here on our chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant where we can chat it up, talk sports, and have a good time doing it. Great show lined up for you today. We're expected to be joined by Minnesota Vikings safety, Kurt Coleman. And, Kurt, uh, we've been talking about Vikings minicamp and what happened and what transpired uh, with Vikings minicamp and, you know, how he's getting acclimated to his new surroundings in Minnesota. Also, we're expected to be joined by one of the stars of Murder in the First, Ian Anthony Dale, and he's going to come on and he's going to talk to us about the show. And Ian's also a big-time Minnesota Twins fan, so we're going to talk to him about that as well. Also, expected to be joined by uh, a player who's going to be on the Bucks summer league roster, Gilbert Brown. Um, we're going to talk to him about uh, his preparation for the summer league, what he needs to do ultimately to get in to the NBA because that's what it's all about, an opportunity to get into the league, an opportunity to make things happen once you get there in the National Basketball Association. So make sure you stick around. Kirk Coleman will be joining us at 10 after, um, Ian Anthony Dale at 35 after, and at 8.05 we will be joined by Gilbert Brown, Milwaukee Bucks Summer League participant. Let's start now in the National Basketball Association, the NBA. The free agency period is hot and heavy. And at this point, obviously the big name, the big names, Wade, Bosch, Mello, and a guy named LeBron James, those names, those guys haven't signed anywhere just yet. And it's almost like everyone's waiting for that big fish, that big fish to be taken out of the pond. That big shooter drop. Everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen with King James, LeBron James. Everybody's wondering, what is LeBron going to do? And you got the sense, okay, the big three had a meeting last Wednesday. The Miami Heat draft Shabazz Napier, Bosh, and Wade opt out. And you got the sense at that point, okay, LeBron is probably going to come back to Miami. He's probably on his way back to Miami. That's what you thought. That's what the sense you got. That's the sense I got. That LeBron was on his way back to Miami. It was a foregone conclusion. You had Bosch who was on vacation, obviously just chilling, living, having a good old time, and really not uh, caring about this free agent thing. That's the sense you got. And then it comes out now during that meeting that LeBron told the, uh, Bosch and Wade he wasn't sure of what he wanted to do. He wasn't sure if he wanted to 
go back to Miami. He wasn't sure where he, where he wanted to go. He was unsure. But thing, one thing that, that seemed to be clear was that LeBron wanted a max deal. He wanted a max deal. Never been maxed out before. He wanted to be maxed out. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And it, it comes out during that particular meeting that, and I don't know how this stuff gets out, but, you know, it, it came out during that meeting that LeBron didn't tell Wade or Bosch to opt out, didn't tell him to uh, take any less money, didn't tell him to do anything. He just told them he's unsure about what he wants to do. He's uncertain about his future. He's uncertain about whether or not he wants to stay in Miami or go elsewhere. So at this point, at that point, obviously Wade and Bosch now had a decision to make, and both of those guys are owed $42 million. Chris Bosch might be able to make that up. Dwayne Wade, not so sure, especially after what we saw in the NBA Finals. And reports are, Bosch is looking at a deal five years, 80 to $90 million, and Wade is looking for a deal along the lines of four years, $55 million or $60 million. So the point is, these guys are not really looking to take a Dirk Nowitzki hometown discount. Dirk Nowitzki just signed today, three years, $30 million. That's a discount. That's a hometown discount. And you look at um, you look at Dirk doing that, taking Tim Duncan, a guy who's taken less money over the years to stay in San Antonio and to stay in his current situation. Tim Duncan did that. So the bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. At this point, it's uncertain. And according to sources, Close to that situation, the big three walked away from that meeting thinking maybe they played their last game together. Maybe it's the end of the big three era in Miami. Bosh and Wade want to come back. LeBron James, not so sure. And if you're LeBron James, especially if you want max money, it's going to be interesting because how at that point, at this point, if you want max money, how are you going to be able to fill out a roster that's going to be competitive enough to win a title? Because we saw last season, we saw out of uh, the Miami Heat, we saw that San Antonio, the Spurs, were head and shoulders above the Miami Heat. It wasn't close. Head and shoulders. What The series wasn't even close. They beat up on average. Uh, 14 points on average, 14 points per game in a 4-1 to one series victory for the San Antonio Spurs. So it wasn't close. It wasn't close at all. And so now you look at the situation. You look at this Miami Heat team. You look at Pat Riley, and, and many believe Pat Riley can do a lot of things. But he's going to have to go. It seems like he may have to go into his bag of tricks now and pull something out. That'll change the future of the Miami Heat. 
He's going to have to do something. Because the bottom line is this. If you're not signing LeBron James back, you're basically rebuilding if you're Miami. If LeBron James isn't coming back, you're a rebuild. Just like what we saw in Cleveland. You're a rebuild at this point, I believe. And maybe you can surround some pieces around uh, Wade and Botch, but it, it makes the Miami less desirable for free agents. Had to. LeBron James at this point is what makes people want to go to Miami. Not Wade, not Bosch. It's LeBron James and the opportunity to play with a great superstar like LeBron James. That's what teams, that's what players want to do. They want to play with LeBron James. We saw Dwayne Wade shell of himself. So my point is, Kyle Lowry off the market, <laughs> and, and a lot of people connected Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat. A lot of people thought Kyle Lowry was going to be a Miami Heat. He's now off the market, gone. So you missed out on that. That's out of the mix. And he would have been perfect for your situation. A, a guy, a, a big-time bona fide point guard. A big-time bona fide point guard. You needed that. He's now out of the mix. So you have to move on in another direction. Gortat off the market, and obviously you probably weren't going to have the money to pay for him anyway. So a lot of guys that the Miami Heat, you thought that the Miami Heat had interest in, are going off the market, elsewhere. And now you wonder, and it seems like Melo, that's really gone. That, the opportunity for that team to be gone. So now the key is, you're going to probably have to surround LeBron James the same thing. I mean, you're going to have to go out and find free agents. Maybe a Jameer Nelson would fit the bill, a guy who's, who's going to take the minimum, if you will, especially if Bosh, Wade, and LeBron all come back and, and they all get the money that they supposedly may want. I mean, guys like Sean Marion, guys like Vince Carter, those are the guys that you're looking at. And that's what we pretty much had. Here's the thing. The Miami Heat roster, even when they were winning championships, it was still kind of flawed on some level. It's just you had the greatness of LeBron James. You had the greatness of Dwayne Wade that kind of hid all the flaws and all the warts that the Miami Heat had. And that's what you saw. And that's what you saw. And now Dwayne Wade not being the same type of player, it changes things. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Kirk Coleman of the Minnesota Vikings. You're listening to Go Forward on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go Forward, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I yeah, just don't know yeah, what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. <laughs> That's not Rocky. <laughs> That's called butter. 
All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thank very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so and we're back. And we're going to bring in a guy now, Kirk Coleman. Kirk signed with the Minnesota Vikings in this offseason, spent his first few years in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles, moved on to the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings had minicamp a couple of weeks back. And we're going to ask Kurt how that went. Let's bring him in now. Safety for the Minnesota Vikings, Kurt Coleman. Kurt. Yes. How are you, man? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for joining us. And, Kurt, let's get right down to it. Mini camps, new team for you. How was your first mini camp with the Minnesota Vikings? It went really well, I think, um, you know, for myself. Uh, you know, I couldn't have, uh, you know, done any any better. Um, I, I think I really uh, learned the system that uh, Zimmer had in place. And it was really, for me, these last probably nine, ten weeks, just to kind of gel with the guys, learn the system, understand what they expect out of the players, and really just kind of help uh, put myself in position to, to win the starting spot. But more, more so to show uh, everyone, you know, really uh, the professional that I am when I go about my business. Each and every day when I come, I come with my hard hat and I'm ready to go to war. Now, you talked about Zimmer's system. How similar is Mike Zimmer's system to the system that you played under in Philadelphia? Um, well, I, I played under four different defensive coordinators. Right. So, um, it, honestly, I, but the great thing about that was I did have a, a vast knowledge of defenses and his his system uh, really was one that I, I, I flourished in uh, for my second, third year. Um, okay. I had a lot of similarities in that, but with this system, actually, he, he allows the safeties to actually be a lot more aggressive. We're going to get in a lot more blitzes, hopefully. And, uh, you know, the safeties, Harrison Smith, uh, you know, even Robert Bland, you know, and other guys, you know, these guys, the safety position is called to really be the quarterback of the defense other than the Mike Backer um, and really get guys in line and, and make a lot of plays. How was it seeing Adrian Peterson up close and personal? Well, I, I've played against him. Um, you know, and uh, it's you know it's good to get to know the person that you play against. You know, I I respect him a lot for the way he approaches the game, and each and every day he he come he comes uh, he comes with it. So um, I'm looking forward actually to the training camp we put on the pads, and um, you know we get to go against each other a little little bit more intimate. But uh, you know I I think everybody loves the way he he comes comes to comes to work every day, and you know he's gonna give you what he has. And what he has is he's a very special talent to this uh, this organization, but, uh, you know, one of the best running backs I've been able to ever watch. We're talking to Viking safety, Kirk Coleman. And, Kurt, you talked about your new coach, Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, first-time coach, been a defensive coordinator in this league for a long, long time. A very intense guy. How is it playing under Coach yes. Zimmer? Um, I, I like it. Uh, <laughs> it. You know, he he is very intense, but – you know, to me, I, I I try to pick his brain. He's he's one of the smartest coaches I've been around. Um, and and this man, he he knows so much not just about the defensive side, but about the offensive side. So I'm just I'm just a little kid in, in, in a big classroom. I'm just taking notes and just listening to everything that he's saying. And then when we're on the field, um, you know, you gotta you gotta listen through the the arguing or the the yelling that he's doing with people because he's really actually speaking a lot of educational things that you can pick up and you right. can translate into the game of football. So. You know, it, it comes off brash and it comes off harsh, but, you know, the message is, is clear, and you just got to be able to understand that he, he may be yelling at you, but he's really actually trying to get you better. 
And, and you know, as a player, you got to respect that because he's trying to tap into every single every single person's uh, ability and really, you know, pull it out of you guys and, and really allow you to play the best football you can. For sure. And you're a, you're a religious guy. Does does it bother you a little bit? Maybe some of the four letter words. <laughs> well, you know, the one thing that I know, you know, the, we are we are not perfect, and you know, we we do live in a in a world full of full of sin. So. Um, you know, I myself, I don't cuss, and it was something that I had to learn not to do. Um, but, you know, to each is every own, and, you know, I'm not going to judge him for what he does because I, I don't know his trials and tribulations, but I, right. I do know that I do respect him as a person. And, you know, I, I would, you know, fortunately enough, he's never cussed at me, you know, and I don't know <laughs> if it's because I've been in the league for five years or what, what you may have, but, uh, you know, I understand that this is a game. And I understand that he's trying to actually bring the best out of me. So I can't take it personal. I wouldn't take it personal. Right. So, you know, it's it's a fine line. But, you know, he, he's got to do what he does and what he does best. And he does coach really well. And that's and that's one that's his style. So I respect it. And, you know, I just know how to just keep, keep my head down and just listen to what he's trying to say. For sure. And you have three quarterbacks battling for the number one spot, Ponder, Castle, and uh, the new guy out of Louisville. Bridgewater. Were you impressed by what you saw out of the three quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, I think you know I got a chance actually to speak to all three of them, and they really like the system that they're uh, they're in. Um, I think it's going to allow them to you know to be a little more effective, um, you know. And I think Matt Castle is just he's just a he's he's a very consistent with what he does. Smart quarterback, um, you know. He's not going to really throw the ball into a lot of tight places because he knows. You know the percentage of getting picked off is high, so he plays very consistent. I think Teddy Bridgewater, he, he's he's a rising star. I, I truly believe that. Um, you know, and Christian Ponder is is just a he's a guy that's learning the system. He's making plays as well. Um, I think it's going to be great because it's going to make not just them themselves individually better, but I think it's going to make this team a great team, and we're going to have some good uh, good quarterback play. Any predictions? Who's going to get that spot? I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I'm, I, you know, and I, I, I respect every every man because I know, you know, I'm in a battle myself. So, um, you know, I'm not going to count any man out. All I ask is whoever's out there, you know, help us lead and win us the games. That's that's the only thing I want. Now, Kurt, I heard you say that you could have made more money elsewhere, but ultimately you chose the Minnesota Vikings. Why? Um. Multiple reasons. Um, I, I think, like I said, I, I really I had a chance when I met with every team um, that I was considering. Um, I got a chance to look over the defenses that I was going into. Obviously, Rex Ryan's defense was something that intrigued me a lot. But also, uh, I felt very comfortable and familiar with uh, Mike Zimmer's defense. Um, and like I said, what he was asking of the safety play and what we're able to do in, the, in, in that defensive system. And that intrigued me a lot because um, – I myself, I want to make plays. I want to be a difference maker on a team. I just don't want to be a guy that's sitting back and, you know, pulling my thumb and waiting for something to happen. I want to be able to get into action. And um, that allows that. Uh, I think I really love the city of Minneapolis um, and the fans and um, just what it brings for my family when I when I bring them up there. Um, you know, we feel safe. We feel comfortable. We have friends. And, um, you know, I, I really think this is, a, this is an up-and-coming organization. And that's really what it came down to is, um, I saw this team, you know, they lost, I think, six games in the fourth quarter by less than seven points, I do believe. Um, you know, so I think this this team isn't a team that's rebuilding. This team is a team that just needs to make a few fine tunes, and this team can be 
back on track to get into a playoff ball, um, if not, you know, in contention to win at all. You know, and the only thing that we have to do is each and every day, we win. We win one week. We win one week at a time. That's it. All we got to do is beat the team that we play in that week. And at the end of the day, I think we can lift up our head and say, you know what, our season's doing really well. Um, so I, I'm excited because, like I said, I think this is a team that I can really grow with and build with. Um, but I also I understand the business side of things, and I understand that, you know, for me, um, I need to get back to the uh, back to the table because I, I think I have a lot to offer to uh, to this team. So I want to be able to show them what I can do, and hopefully, you know, they'll they'll understand um, and, and respect that. And you know, I'd like to make Minnesota a long term thing. So you believe this is a Super Bowl caliber team you're playing on in Minnesota? If I if if I don't believe it, no one else will. And, sure. and I approach that I approach that every single day, and I say that with my heart because. Like I said, this team has what it takes, you know, and, and I've been around long enough. It's about execution and efficiency. You know, you see the top great teams, they, they execute very, very well. And the, and the bad teams, they don't, and especially at inopportune times. And last year, sure. in the fourth quarter, they let go, whether it be the offense, defense, special teams. Minnesota Vikings didn't get it done in the fourth quarter. So um, I, I really I really believe this is a team that, you know, can turn things around. And, and we're talking we're talking just finishing games. And I think the defense was 31st. So I know they added some pieces to defense. We got a, a nice rookie linebacker um, and a couple other guys. So I'm excited to see what this thing is all about and really turn this thing around and make something special in Minnesota. Hello? Can you hear me? Do we still have you? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, yeah. I'll tower one out here in our studio. So we still have you. We're talking to Viking safety, Kirk Coleman. And, Kirk, you were a starter in Philadelphia uh, for most of your career. Last year you were relegated to special teams, and you're a big-time competitor. You're a big-time competitor. You love to compete. How frustrating was that for you? Uh, it was a humbling experience, to say the least. Um, you know, and – uh, I, I think, um, you know, you just never know with the new coaching staff, um, you know, and, and football is a business, you know, at this level. So, you know, I, I understood the business side of things. I didn't want to accept it, but I accepted my role as to I can get this team better on special teams, and I did what I could. Um, you know, I wasn't satisfied with where I was at, um, which is why it left a bitter taste in my, my mouth to uh, leave Philadelphia because, you know, that, that's where I started, and uh, that was my home. But, um, you know, I'm excited about a new opportunity, a new chapter in my book, um, you know, and getting back, getting back to playing defense. I, I, love, I love that side of the ball, and I love to be a part of it. For sure. And, and Kurt, I want to ask you something about the situation in Philadelphia. You had the situation with Deshaun Jackson, and we, we all know what happened. Ultimately, he was released by the Philadelphia Eagles. Some reports said he was a distraction. He was a bad teammate. Did you see that from Deshaun Jackson? No. Um, you know, it, I, I think media and whoever puts out stuff like that, you know, controversy sells. But I, I, I don't, I did not see that for the four years I was there. Um, you know, Deshaun and I were cool, and uh, you know, I never really considered him a distraction. Uh, there was other people that I, I could say that that were distracting um, or poison apples, so be it. But uh, you know, I would have never labeled Deshaun that. I think, you know, as a player. As the, as the season goes on, the wear and tear happens. And, yeah, you may not be able to 
give 100% or you may not want to give 100% one day. But I'll tell you what, when it came game time, I always made sure, you know, I always asked him, I said, it's 10 on. And he said, it's 10 mode. So, um, you know, I, I never questioned when we when we stepped on the field, was he going to bring it? And, you know, you, you look across the film, he took some big hits for us, you know. Um, for sure. So, I, I – like I said, I, I, I would have never put that out there. I would have never said that. But, um, you know, and, you know, I think he needs a new start too, you know. And I, I right. think, you know, change, change isn't bad. Change is good. And I think he's going to flourish in Washington. Were you surprised that he ultimately got released? Were you surprised how that story went down, After, how everything I, went I, down? I, 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 I'm very, very surprised. And, um, you know, and I think Philadelphia has a great team. Um, but, you know, sure. to say you can just get rid of Deshaun Jackson and, and not miss a beat. Uh, I want to see it. Um, but you know, if they can pull it off, then you can say that it was the right move. But if if it if it doesn't happen, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered. Right. And let me ask you this now. You said you're you're in a battle for a starting safety position. What do you feel like you need to do from this point on to ultimately become a starter for the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, well, I think the name of the game is just being consistent. Um, can a coach rely on you to make the play when the, when, you, when it's your time, when it's your opportunity? Can uh, can the coach say, you know what, I need you to go make this big play? Um, you know, and ultimately, you know, it's going to be their decision. Um, so the only thing that I that I know is I'm going to give it my 110%. I know I'm going to make sure that I not only know my job, but I know the guys around me job. So I'm going to make sure everyone's on the same page. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a competitor. I'm a leader. I'm a guy that's going to be – very, uh, I play with my emotions, but I'm also consistent, um, and I don't waver with uh, with where we're at. I don't get too heated in the moment. I don't get too low. Um, so I, I think, you know, there's a lot of things that I bring to the table, but like I said, ultimately, it's out of my hands. All I can do is right. control what I control, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have a great training camp, um, you know, and I'm not saying that no one else will, but I know I will, and you know, bottom line is I can help hold my head up high, but I just want to help this team win. Like I said, I, I think this team has uh, something special going on, and why not us? Why can't it be us? Right. Why not us uh, win it all? So um, I'm going to help this team out any way, shape, form possible. And one thing, I mean, I'm a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan, so I, I know your career very well. And one thing I, I've always liked about you, just talking to you and hearing you talk, is just your confidence and your belief in yourself. And and I think it's refreshing to hear. I mean, you you truly believe in yourself as a football player. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, you know, uh, God made me more than a conqueror. Whatever I do, I'm going to conquer. Um, and that's that's honestly uh, that's my belief about things. You know, whether it be football, um, just life in general. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna give it my all. I'm gonna hold my head up high. And and that's what it's about. I, I'm not gonna waver in whatever I do. <laughs> I may be wrong, but I'm going to go for 110% of what I'm doing. For sure, and it shows. It, it definitely shows. Fans, make sure you follow this man on Twitter at K4Coleman. Make sure you go to his website, Kurt-Coleman.com, and support all the great things with Minnesota Vikings safety, Kurt Coleman. Kurt, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Take- anytime. Anytime you want me on. For sure. Take care. All right, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Kirk Coleman, safety for the Minnesota Vikings. And we'll see what kind of season Kirk Coleman may have. Kirk Coleman is a guy 
uh, very confident in his abilities, very confident. Of, and that's the one thing I've always liked about the guy. I mean, you can question whether or not, you know, is he good enough to be a starting safety in this league. But at the end of the day, the guy is ultra competitive. The guy is ultra confident. And throughout, you know, there's been times where he's made some plays in this league. And hopefully he can be a starter for the Minnesota Vikings in the upcoming NFL season. And very telling, I mean, because uh, what he said about Deshaun Jackson as well. Because uh, a lot of people, a, a lot of people, when that whole story came down, a lot of Eagles really didn't support and have the back of Deshaun Jackson. A lot of Eagles really didn't say much. They really didn't say much when the whole situation went down with Deshaun Jackson. So I found it very interesting that Kirk Coleman was one, uh, you know, he, he stepped up and, 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 you know, really complimented Deshaun Jackson. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You're, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's that Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. Pleasure talking to Kirk Coleman. And make sure you support all the great things going on with Kirk Coleman. Um, we had a little technical difficulty during that Kirk Coleman interview. We actually... I'm in the East Coast, Pennsylvania, to be exact, and we're going through some storms here. So it shut us down for a little bit. We got back up. We're, we're back, and we're talking sports. And, of course, having fun doing it. That's what we do here, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. Go for it. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing it. Um, LeBron James, and, and just going back to the NBA free agency situation. Um, the reality is, at this point, we're just waiting for that shoe to drop. We're going to see where that shoe drops who, and, and where he's going to go. I, perfectly, I, I still believe he's going back to Miami. I believe he's going back to Miami. But I do believe he should go elsewhere. I do believe he should look at what's in Phoenix. Maybe he can talk to his boy Melo. They can afford to have the both of them, even L.A., for that matter. You know, talk to his boy Kobe. You know, maybe, but, uh, or in Cleveland. I mean, you know, you got Andrew Wiggins, the number one pick. You you have uh, Kyrie Irving, who just re-upped. Deion Waiters, Tristan Tristan Thompson. Um, you know, you got some pieces there in, in, in Cleveland. Maybe that's a spot he goes back to. Maybe he goes back to Cleveland. Maybe that's a spot for him. I mean, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I did say the Phoenix Suns, but as far as I'm concerned, he should stay as far as far as way possible, far away possible from the East, from the Western Conference. And I would say the same thing to Carmelo Anthony: stay far, far away from the East, the Western Conference. It's too much to do. It's too many good teams you got to beat. And I I went through this 
last week, and I look at the San Antonio Spurs and what they had to do ultimately to get to the NBA Finals, going through the Dallas Mavericks, a 49-win team, going through the Portland Trailblazers, a 54-win team, going through OKC, a 59-win team. And ultimately, you had to go through that just to get to the NBA Finals, and you look at the Miami Heat and what they did, going through the Bobcats with an unhealthy Al Jefferson, a 43-win team, beating the Brooklyn Nets, a 44-win team, and beating the Indiana Pacers, though they won 56 games, obviously they weren't the same team that they were in the beginning of the season. So the reality is this. If you're LeBron James, if you're Carmelo Anthony, don't go west, young men. Do not go west, young men, because it's a mistake, and you're going to have to go through the gauntlet just to get to the NBA Finals. You're going to have to go through the gauntlet. The gauntlet just to get to the NBA Finals. All that just to get to the NBA Finals. Do you know what you got to do to get to the NBA Finals? Do you know you have to beat to beat, get to the NBA Finals? It's a lot. It's too much. Why go through that when you can go through the Eastern Conference? Why? 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 Why would you do that? Why would you do that? It's not worth it. And so as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, LeBron James needs to stay east. Where he's going to go, we shall see. It's going to end up in Miami. Pat Riley will find a way, and all these reports that are out there are just reports. Pat Riley will find a way to find a way to make this thing work and ultimately make it work and ultimately find a way to fortify the Miami Heat and make the Miami Heat a better basketball team. That's what I believe Pat Riley will do. Pat Riley will find a way to make it right. That's what Pat Riley does. That's what Pat Riley has done. That's what Pat Riley did. And I believe that's what he continued to do moving forward. Jason Kidd, and we're going to get back to Mello. We're going to talk to Mello, but we're going to get to Jason Kidd. And I'm going to tell you why I believe Carmelo Anthony should never go back to New York City. But I'm going to start, go to back, go to Jason Kidd. And, and, and this story, you know, this is an interesting story. Jason Kidd according to reports, and he denies these reports, but according to reports, Jason Kidd went to management and said, you know what, he wanted to be above general, Man- general manager Billy King. He-, King. he wanted to be the president. He wanted to be the president of the organization. And this is a guy, Jason Kidd, who had a lot of struggles, a lot of struggles. I mean, he had a lot of struggles early on as a coach of the Brooklyn Nets, and they got off to a 10-21 start. He had some struggles. And then you had the situation with the soda and, and, and purposely knocking over the soda. And, you know, you, you had all different types of things with Jason Kidd. But the Brooklyn Nets and the organization stood by him. He wanted to hire Lawrence Frank. High, and Lawrence Frank was the highest paid assistant at a million dollars. A million dollars. Lawrence Frank was the highest paid assistant 
at a million bucks. He lobbied for it. He asked for it. And he got it. He asked for it and he got it. He got, the assist, he got his assistant, Lawrence Frank. But ultimately, Lawrence Frank, Lawrence Frank, he got fired by Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd fired him. Jason Kidd fired him. Fired him. What, a couple weeks into the season? Fired him. Got rid of him. Fired him and got rid of him. And Jason Kidd had some struggles. The Nets had some struggles. And he really didn't do that great of a job. And we know the history of Jason Kidd. We know the things he's done over the years. We know the things that he's done over the years. We know him. We know the situation in Dallas with Mark Cuban. This is a guy who, who you know, in, uh, said to Mark Cuban that he was going to resign, gave him a verbal, and changed his mind and ultimately went to the Knicks. This is a guy who, throughout the course of his career, he got Byron Scott fired. And I thought that was a travesty. After leading the Nets to two straight NBA finals, Byron Scott was out of a job because of Jason Kidd. Because of Jason Kidd. His situation in Dallas, Phoenix, quitting on the Nets, and being, which led to a trade to Dallas. All those things, all those things that Jason Kidd has done over the years. So we shouldn't really be surprised when something like this goes down that's connected to Jason Kidd. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't. This is a guy who's done all these things throughout the course of his career, and then, you know, you know, there's some things that you just don't do. There's etiquette. A guy like Larry Drew, who's done more than Jason Kidd as a coach in the NBA, a guy like Larry Drew, who you find a way, or you don't find a way, but you take his job, a job that he already has. You take his job. That's the job you want, and that's the job you go get, like an assassin. That's what I want. That's what I get. I want the Bucks job, and I'll go get the Bucks job. That's what he did. He wanted it, and he got it. He wanted that job, and he got it. He took it. Took it from Larry Drew, pretty much. And then you got the awkward situation with John Hammond, the general manager of the of the Milwaukee Bucks. And you know he didn't hire Jason Kidd. That's not the coach he hired. He hired Larry Drew. So all that thing, all, all you know, the whole situation is just tricky. It's complicated. It just doesn't seem right. Good guy like Larry Drew now is out of a job. Jason Kidd's assistants, they didn't know what was going on in Brooklyn. Larry Drew's assistants in Milwaukee, they don't know what's going on. It's business, I know. And also, you, know, you look at it from a financial point of view, obviously Jason Kidd now is probably going to put himself in a position to make more money. You know, you see guys like Derek Fisher, five years, 25, Steve Kerr, five years, 25, and you say to yourself, well, those guys have never coached. I've coached one, le- one year in this league. I- I'm a good coach. 
I deserve that kind of money, or I want more power. Maybe it's a situation with Jason Kidd. It was almost a fake power play to get out of Brooklyn, get out of Brooklyn because let's be honest, Brooklyn at this point is not a very desirable situation. Just looking at the Nets and, and, and what they are, Paul Pierce and, and is a free agent, Kevin Garnett's over the hill. What else do you have? Joe Johnson, he's not a superstar. Darren Williams, we remember Darren Williams and Chris Paul in the debate. Who was the better point guard, Darren Williams or Chris Paul? And, and now we all know at this point Chris Paul is the better uh, point guard, but Darren Williams has been a shell of himself. And, and their reports are that Jason Kidd and Jaren, Darren Williams clashed. And Jason Kidd was supposed to be uh, the, the Darren Williams helper. He was supposed to be the guy that, that was going to talk to Darren Williams, help Darren Williams get back to his form, his all-star form. Jason Kidd was supposed to do that. It didn't happen, obviously. It didn't happen. And Jason Kidd, and let's be honest, Let's be clear about something. I don't blame Jason Kidd. What he did may have been wrong, but business is business, and business is not always clean. A lot of times it's dirty. And so Jason Kidd said, you know what? I want a different situation. I don't blame Jason Kidd. I know Brooklyn is Brooklyn. you got New York City, that big-time market, but your talent is your talent. Your cap situation is your cap situation. You do have an owner, Mikhail Prokhorov, who is going to spend the money, so maybe – and like I said before, New York is New York. It's not New York Knicks, but it is New York City. And so most people would probably want to play in New York in comparison to Milwaukee, but now he's going to Milwaukee, uh, a team with some young prospects, especially Jabari Parker. You got Jabari Parker there, and a lot of people believe that he's going to be a stud, and Jabari Parker actually wants to be in Milwaukee. He wants to be in Milwaukee. So he's a stud. He could be a stud, could be big time. So you have a young team in Milwaukee, you have a young coach in Jason Kidd, and he said this wasn't about power. He said this is not about power. It's not about power. It's not about that. It's not about power. He wants to be the coach of the Brooklyn of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. My question is, if you're Milwaukee, can you trust Jason Kidd? If you're an organization, you trust Jason Kidd. Could he do the same thing to you? And a lot of people believe at some point he will get control of the whole organization. He will be the president, general manager of the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of people believe at some point. So the, the, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, it was, it, this is Jason Kidd, I guess. This is the guy we've known over the years. He's pulled this type of stuff off in the past. Shady type of stuff. We've seen this in the past with Jason Kidd. We've seen it. We've seen it. So this is not surprising. This is not surprising. Not surprising at all when it comes to Jason Kidd and, 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 and slimy and, and just backhanded type stuff. Not surprising at all. We're going to bring in a guy now, and a lot of people have been watching this show, Murder in the First on TNT. A lot of people are watching it. A lot of people are talking about it, and a lot of people love the show. And one of the stars of that show is Ian Anthony Dell. Ian's a big-time, big-time Minnesota Twins fan, lifelong Minnesota, Minnesota Twins fan. 
He's a Minnesota guy, so obviously it makes sense that he's a Minnesota Twins fan. We have Minnesota Vikings safety Kirk Coleman on. Now we have a lifelong Minnesota Twins fan in Ian Anthony Dale. Let's bring him in now, one of the stars of TNT's hit show, Murder in the First, Ian Anthony Dale. Ian, how are you, man? I'm great, Paul. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. And Ian, Murder in the First premiered, big-time ratings. About 5 million people watched the premiere. Talk about what those numbers mean to you. Well, you know, it's, it's just nice uh, to, to know that people tuned in to watch our show. You know, we... Uh, we put a lot of a lot of love into this show, and uh, you know it's a product that we can be proud of, and we're just happy people are watching it and enjoying it. Now, on the show, Ian, you play Lieutenant Jim Cotto. Tell us about your character. Well, Jim is this young, ambitious lieutenant for the San Francisco Police Department who sort of straddles the line between cop and politician. He aspires to one day be the mayor, um, and you know as, as the season unfolds. We'll, we'll see how his ambitions can, uh, can cloud his judgment and, and get in the way of his relationships. So it's, it's, a, it's a fun, uh, fun, complex role. I get to be the boss, so you know, can't <laughs> complain with that. Definitely. You're the lieutenant. You're the boss. You're in charge. And me and you have something in common. My wife is a cop. I know that your brother is a detective. And I know from yes. time to time you rely on your brother and you talk to your brother about various things dealing with the jobs that can help you on the show. Talk about that. Absolutely. You know, I've always been fascinated and interested in, in what my brother does for a living, and he's, he's always been extremely forthcoming and sharing with me his experiences. And, you know, it's, I always tell him, you know, you've you got to write a book. You know, you should become a, a crime novelist uh, because some of the some of the things he sees and, and some of the cases he works on. I mean, they're they you know they're they're the stuff of uh, of, of of fiction. You know, I mean, it, you know, everybody asks me, you know, are your are your you know are the shows you work on are the crime cases you know are they similar to what happens in real life? And oftentimes I say, well, that's that's where they come from. You know, they come from right. real life, and. Uh, you know, so just just hearing the stories uh, from my brother and, and knowing what he goes through, it, it gives me an inside look into the psychology of, of, of people in law enforcement. I'm sure you have the same experience with your wife. You know, for sure, for sure. It's tough. Definitely. It's a tough job, and, and they see a lot of difficult things. But you know, for for me, playing a detective, it's such an invaluable resource, and it, it and it really makes me feel, uh, you know, well informed, uh, and and it makes me feel authentic in the character. We're talking to one of the stars of TNT's Murder in the First, Ian Anthony Dale. And make sure you check out Murder in the First each and every Monday, 10 o'clock Eastern, on TNT. Now, I heard you say in the previous interviews that you like to play characters who have conflict, who are conflicted. Tell us about that. Tell us why. Well, it just it adds a dimension to the character, you know. Uh, you know, for Kodo... He has he has a couple of, of different uh, uh, complexities. Uh, one being, you know, he's sleeping with the district attorney, uh, and it's you know it's a relationship that he has to keep very much under wraps. So, so there'll be some conflicts that arise later on in the season where Cotto has to decide, you know, do I do what's best for for the DA and my relationship, or do do I do what's best for me? And then also, you know, he's. He's this young lieutenant who's in charge of a bunch of veteran detectives who are much older than him. And so, right. you know, he wrestles with wanting to be their contemporary but also having to be 
the boss and the authoritarian. Uh, and so, you know, it, it just, for, for, for a character to have, you know, these issues that, that, that he or she is struggling with, it just makes the character that much richer and, and, and much more enjoyable to play. It makes them real. And, uh, and, that, and that's why I gravitate towards life, those types of characters. Now, as we said, murder in the first, big-time ratings on TNT right now. Moving forward, tell the fans what they can expect from murder in the first. Well, you know, we're going to start to open up the suspect pool, and uh, it's you know, it's it's not going to be, you know, entirely clear uh, just just you know who done it, and uh, you know, I think that's that's part of you know spinning a grand mystery, and uh, you know, the, the the type of this show that Murder in the First is, you know, it allows the audience to become interactive. It allows them to kind of create their own, you know, suspects, collect their own evidence, make their own theories. And, um, and as we get deeper into the case and into the investigation, um, you know, the audience is certainly going to be able to become more invested. So, uh, you know, just got to tune in and, and, uh, you know, and see what happens. Fans were talking to one of the stars, Murder in the First, TNT's Murder in the First, Ian Anthony Dale, which airs each and every Monday, 10 o'clock Eastern, on TNT. Now, of course, you got Murder in the First going on, a lot of great things going on with that, as we said. But you also have some other good news, as you will be a part of Season 4 of CW's hit show, Heart of Dixie. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, that, that role just came about kind of out of the blue, and, and uh, you know, I'm so excited and, and, and happy to be working on that show. I, I, I had my first day last Monday. Uh, I'm playing okay. a southern gentleman um, uh, from a wealthy family in the south, and so kind of a first for me with that type of character, but going to be working on that. And then uh, later this month, I'll, I'll be heading back to Hawaii to uh, resume work on Hawaii Five O. How is it working in Hawaii? Oh man, it's the best. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's paradise. I I I absolutely love it, man. It's it's one of the most magical places in the world for me. And and uh, every time I get a chance to go back there, it's it's just a treat. It's just a treat. Right. You're a busy man right now. Where do you find time for fun? When, when does Ian Anthony Dale have fun? You know, I I have fun when I'm working. Uh, you know, okay. that's, that's some of the most fun I have, you know, being on a set is, is one of my favorite places to be. Uh, but in, in, in my, in my very limited, uh, downtime right now, I've been working on, uh, my new house. I just bought my first house and, right. and, uh, you know, uh, in the middle of a remodel. So I got, uh, I got plenty of things to keep me busy. I'm spinning quite a few plates right now. So how is it, man, being a homeowner? Love it. You know, it's nice to have uh, you know something that you can call your own and and uh, and be able to do whatever you want with it. It's kind of a blank canvas, and and you know, I I love to build furniture and I, I love to design, and so I'm just having a ball over here. You, you have a background in that, correct? I do. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I used to I used to skateboard, so I used to build ramps with my with my father, and and uh, and I just you know I just continued to to work with wood and and. And uh, you know, you know, just learn the skills of carpentry throughout uh, throughout my life, and now I just do it for fun. Okay, all right, that's a good thing. And you're working on your house, and you're saving yourself a little money there. You know, since you could do a lot of things yourself, correct? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. It's, it's fun. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I've got this 
it's funny. My friends are just like, Ian, you, you, you just got you just got to buy a few of these things. Otherwise, you're going to be building furniture for the next ten years. You know, you, you're not going to be able to furnish your house for ten years. So, right. uh, you know, I'll, I'll find a balance. I'll find a balance, but I certainly enjoy okay. it. We're talking to one of the stars of Murder in the First on TNT, Ian Anthony Dale. And now, Ian, let's get to some bad news now. The Minnesota Twins. I know you're a Minnesota guy. Your Twins are in last place in the AL Central. It's been 23 <laughs> years since the Twins won a World Series. How is it being a Twins fan? You know, I, I'm a diehard Twins fan. I will always, I will always be a fan. Um, I check the box score every day. You know, I always want to see how Joe Mauer does. And, um, you know, it, 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 you go through some bad years, you know, but, uh, you know, that just comes with the territory of being a diehard fan, you know. I, right. I was fortunate to, to be there when, you know, back back in the 90s when, when, when uh, you know, they were, were doing great. And then even back in, sure. in uh, the last several years when they were division champs yeah. uh, several years in a row. So, you know, the good times will return. Uh, have faith, um, but what's cool is that they uh, they're hosting the All Star Game uh, next weekend or uh, in two weeks, so uh, that ought to be cool. And that that field, Target Field, is certainly deserving of uh, of uh, an event like that. Uh, it's such a have great place to watch a baseball game. I have. I've been there. I've been. I've okay. been there a couple times. Great field. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely looks nice. Definitely looks nice. Um, yeah. Ian, I know you're on Twitter. I know you're on Instagram. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, at Ian Anthony Dale uh, for both Twitter and Instagram. And I apologize. Okay. I don't. I don't post all that often. Uh, I'm not real savvy to the whole social network thing. I know. I know. I got to get better. Every, everybody's telling me I got to get better at it, but it's uh, you know, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm resisting. I'm resisting. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's the way you can kind of follow uh, what I'm doing. Okay, you also have a website, right? I do. I built a website, you know, several years ago. That was, you know, the main purpose of it was, uh, you know, for for the purposes of trying to get work. But um, you know, it's it's another place where people can go and and uh, check out some of my work and and uh, you know, I've got some videos up there, some pictures. Um, uh, it's a little dated, uh, but uh, it still does the job. So fans. Make sure you hit this man up on Twitter, at Ian Anthony Dale. Instagram, same name. And also go to his website, IanAnthonyDale.com. And also, make sure you check him out each and every Monday, 10 o'clock Eastern, on TNT, Murder in the First, Ian Anthony Dale. Ian, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Uh, I would love to. Thanks for having me, man. Ian Anthony Dale. One of the stars of Murder in the First, again, airs each and every Monday on TNT, 10 o'clock Eastern, on TNT. Make sure you check it out. A lot of people are checking it out. A lot of people are watching it. So make sure you do the same and support all the great things going on with Ian Anthony Dale. Carmelo Anthony and his saga. Well, Melo went to Chicago and... Derrick Rose worked out for him. Taj Gibson was there. Noah was there. Everybody was there. Thibodeau talking about why he should sign with Chicago. Well, I personally think Chicago's a good spot for Mello. But we'll see what Mello will do. He also went to Houston. 
Jeremy Lin's not too happy. Pissed. Well, Jeremy Lin wears number seven, but Mello was photoshopped in a Houston Rockets uniform wearing, guess what, the number seven. Jeremy Lin, none too happy about that. None too happy about that. Pissed. Pissed. And now he went to, he went to Dallas. And now he's in L.A. Where will Melo go? He says he wants to make his decision next week. Next week he wants to make his decision. He wants to, he wants to decide where he's going to tell the world. I know next week he said, what, second week, the report was second week in July, the initial report, second week in July, he wanted to make his decision. He wanted to decide where he wanted to go second week in July. The question is, where will he go? Where will he go? Is he going to and back to New York City? And and I don't think he can do it. I, I don't think he should do it. I think it would be a mistake to go back to New York City because they can't promise you anything. They can't give you anything. They can't give you anything. They can't. So to me, if it was up to me, I would go to the Chicago Bulls. I would stay out east. I would team with Derrick Rose. And Chicago has to move. They moved uh, Boozer already. Apparently, in order to give Melo about $15 million per season, they're going to have to move uh, Snell and Mike Dunleavy's contract. And Melo, bottom line is, if it's about money, he stays in New York because they can give him five years, $129 million bucks. If it's about winning, he's going to Chicago. They can't give him the same amount of money. And, and Melo would be leaving $65 million on the table. He's going to get 65 from the Chicago Bulls if he were to go sign with the Bulls, and he would get 129 if he were to sign with the New York Knicks. So he would be leaving that kind of money on the table. That's a lot of money. This is his last contract. Do you leave? This is probably his last big contract. Do you leave that kind of money on the table? That's a lot of money to leave on the table. But I will tell you this. It's no fun going to a job that you hate. It's no fun. It's no fun going to the arena each and every night knowing that you're going to lose. It sure is a lot of fun knowing, going to to the arena each and every night, that you have a great opportunity not only to win that night, but to hopefully win your championship. In the Miami Heat, excuse me, they have an opportunity, but if they don't bring Melo in and they stay with the same roster, they're not going to be a championship caliber team. They make it out of the East, but you're not going to be championship caliber. But if he goes to Chicago with Noah, with Derrick Rose, who is healthy, and hopefully he can stay healthy, with Taj Gibson, with Jimmy Butler, with that roster, if he goes to Chicago with that roster, a big three in Chicago, and a balanced big three, a balanced big three, Especially with, with Noah, and he, he takes care of your size, and Rose, a big-time point guard, and Mello. 
who can score the basketball, fill it up. The Bulls' issues have been they've been able to defend over the years, but they haven't been able to score the basketball. And obviously, not having Derrick Rose in your lineup consistently is definitely going to affect you scoring the basketball. There's no doubt about that. But one thing I will say, one thing I will say, if you are Carmelo Anthony and you have an opportunity to sign with the Chicago Bulls, and, and let me be clear. If it's about money and about family, and I know you said that your child, your child, your child loves New York City, you want to keep him in New York City, you want to keep him in that stable environment. Obviously, Lala, who's from New York City, loves New York City as well. So you got to find a way to appease your family and also find a way to continue winning. The family doesn't want to see you coming home and you're losing and not being happy. You're no good to your family because your job sucks, because you're losing. Granted, you're still making the money, but you're in an unhappy situation. New York City, for Carmelo Anthony, can't do anything for him because of their cap situation. They can't fill as great of a coach as he's been over the years. He can't help them here in this situation. Michael Jordan isn't walking through that door. Kobe isn't walking through that door. Pippen, Shaq is not walking through that door in New York City. But Melo could walk through the door in Chicago with Derrick Rose, walk through the door in Chicago with Joe Kim Noah, walk through the door with with Taj Gibson, walk through that door, see a Jimmy Butler, walk through that door and see a team who could actually win a title, a team that can compete with the Miami Heat, compete with the Indiana Pacers in the Eastern Conference. That's, that's what he would be doing if he goes to Chicago. And if I'm mellow, I think I would go to Chicago. If I'm really serious about winning. Houston, you still got to go through the Western Conference. You still, as I said, you still got to go through the gauntlet. You still got to go through the gauntlet. And there's no saying if you put Melo on Houston that they're better Spurs, that they're better than OKC. I mean, OKC right now could be, you know, could be, could have Pyle Gasol. They get Pyle Gasol and OKC. Now, wow, woo, that's big. That's a steal. If you can get Pal Gasol, that's a steal. So what I'm saying is this. If I'm Carmelo Anthony, if we're just talking strictly minus family and minus money, the best situation is Chicago. Now, if we're talking money, obviously that changes. Houston if they trade Jeremy Lin, could give him a little more per year than Chicago. Dallas also, with Dirk taking the discount, they could relinquish some guys, and they could also pay a little more money than the Chicago Bulls can. But again, why go through the gauntlet in the Western Conference? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And, and, I, and I can, you know, a lot of people, it's so easy for us to talk about pay cuts because it's not our money. Ultimately and obviously, we're not taking pay cuts to help her job. If we don't have to take a pay cut, we're not going to take a pay cut to help her job. But I guess at the same time, if you're talking 65 in comparison to $129 million, it's a lot of money. I mean, it's definitely a lot of money. And, you know, at the same time, and also, this is your last opportunity to get that money. So that's a lot of money to leave on the table. 
and no one, it's not easy to walk away from that type of money. And I know Melo has a lot of money. But sometimes you can never have too much money. Sometimes you can never have too much money. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're mellow, if it's about money, obviously it's New York. If it's about winning, it's about the Bulls, Houston, or maybe Dallas. But, again, being at the Bulls or in the Eastern Conference and being at what you have to go through in the Eastern Conference to get to the final, I think your best destination is Chicago, the second city. Go on to Chicago, Carmelo, and the second hour go second and the last half hour go for it starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're Thank back. You, you got it, brother. Have a go, man. We're back. Last half hour of Go For It starting now. We're expected to be talking about Gilbert Brown, who was on the Milwaukee Bucks summer league team. Going to talk to him about the upcoming summer league and what he hopes to accomplish. Also, he's going to be playing with Jabari Parker, so we're definitely going to ask him about that and you know, what he's seen out of Jabari Parker, what's impressed him about Jabari Parker to this point. So we're looking forward to talking to Gilbert Brown. He's going to be joining us in the next couple of minutes. Alex Rodriguez. We, we thought we have got a little break from Alex Rodriguez for a year. We thought, you know, he's going to be suspended for a year, so we got a little break. We don't need to talk about Alex Rodriguez. He's gone. He's forgotten. He's not our problem anymore. Well, I think that's going to change. That's going to change. And, you know, the thing about Alex Rodriguez is there's a new book out that's expected to come out about Alex Rodriguez. And, you know, the thing about it is Alex Rodriguez, the more you read, the more you hear a story, the more you realize that this guy may not have played a single clean inning in his life, at least on the major league level. This guy may not have, may not have ever, ever played a clean inning in his life. And the thing about it is this, you know, do, do you remember, do you remember, and every time I talk about this story, do you remember back in 2007 when when we were all champion Alex Rodriguez, signed that new deal with the Yankees, had an MVP year, and we were all talking about this guy was going to be the quote-unquote clean home run king. He was going to be that guy. He was going to be that guy. That's what he was going to be. He was going to be a, the, the, the clean home run king. We had Henry Aaron, 
who was the quote-unquote clean home run king. Obviously, Barry Bonds is the home run king, but there are questions, obviously. Questions. Actually, maybe a lot of answers. But you look at Alex Rodriguez. We all know he admitted that he juiced for a period of time. He admitted that. And then Mary admitted that he juiced for a couple of years. That was admitted. That was on the record. He admitted that. But now you have the, the, the biogenics and the whole situation with Anthony Bosch. You have that. And now you have this book coming out. And, and you know, obviously in this book, and an excerpt of this book is that in 19... Oh, excuse me, in 2007, Major League Baseball let Alex Rodriguez, let him take steroids, pretty much had a medical exemption. And as it come, turns out, you fast forward to 2013 during the grievance, uh, Major League Baseball said, you know, this is pretty rare. And, and people who require the type of therapy Alex Rodriguez got back in that time were people who had abused steroids. People who had abused steroids. That's what, that's what, and that's who did those type of things. People who had abused steroids. And Alex Rodriguez, we all know the guy's a cheat. We all know he has not played a clean, probably has not played a clean inning in his life. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, Tom. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, we're going to bring in a guy now who's preparing for the Summer League. Summer League, uh, I know it gets started uh, next week. Next week it gets started and should be interesting. Obviously, Summer League is always interesting. You see uh, a lot of various guys, see a lot of the, the new draft picks, the new uh, lottery picks come out there and see what they can do. Right away, so it's always an interesting time. It's also an interesting time for guys who are trying to make NBA rosters and trying to impress NBA scouts, executives, and coaches. And one of those guys is on the line now. Let's bring him in now, a guy who's going to be playing for the Milwaukee Bucks summer league team, Gilbert Brown. Gilbert, how are you? I'm doing fine. Yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem. Now, Gilbert, you will be playing for the Bucks during Summer League, how did that come about? Um, just over the course of this last year, uh, um, draw int- I drawn interest from a couple of scouts, and Milwaukee happened to be one of them. And they took a liking to me, and 
after a couple mini camps that I went to uh, in Chicago for the NBA D League one and Brooklyn, I, I decided to, you know, go with Milwaukee in summer league. Now, did you have any other opportunities out there? Any other teams that you could have? Any other summer league teams that you could have joined? Uh, yes, it was a couple teams that contacted my agent early on before I went to any mini camps, like Atlanta, uh, New York, and uh, possibly Brooklyn. But you know, before I even went into the mini camps, I had got a call from from Milwaukee in the interest level and what and how they viewed me and what they seen in me during the course of the year really. Uh, that made my decision on why I went with them for summer league. Okay, okay. And your goal ultimately during summer league is is to impress and ultimately make an NBA roster, whether it's with the Bucks or or anybody else. What do you feel like you need to do during this summer league to make an NBA roster? Um, just play my game because I feel like, at least for me, I know what my role is in the NBA, and I'm I'm a very useful player to. A lot of teams. I'm I'm a lockdown defender and a guy that's capable of stretching the floor and a person that you don't need to call plays for that's going to make an impact in the game because I'm going to make an impact defensively and be able to contribute offensively without having any sets or anything wrong for me. And I think that's a valuable piece for any NBA team. We're talking to Gilbert Brown, who will play for the Milwaukee Bucks Summer League team uh, during the Summer League in the NBA. And, in your opinion, how close do you feel like you are to being a fixture on an NBA roster? Uh, very close. You know, I feel like I'm right there. And, you know, even stemming back from when I first came out of college in 2011, when I got released uh, by the Celtics, they always told me I was an NBA player. It's just all about timing sometimes. And I feel like this time around the timing is right. And I'm in a good situation with Milwaukee and Summer League. And I think a lot can come of it. And even during the course of the year when I could draw interest from other teams about potential call-ups, that was one of the things that my uh, coach, James Posey, you know, who played for two championships teams, told me. He was like, yeah, NBA player. It's, all, it's just all about the opportunity. So I'm, I'm waiting just to see get this opportunity in summer league so I can prove myself. Now, how, how close were you to getting a call-up? Uh, very close. I sat down with some GMs. Uh, had a had a workout with uh, Cleveland and t- had a couple other teams contact my agent as well. But and I was right there on the cuff, so I know that I'm right I'm right there, and I just need to continue to push. Now, th- does it get frustrating for you going through this process? And you've been, like you said, since 2011, you've been trying to get on an NBA roster. Does it get frustrating for you, or just does it just motivate you to keep going and keep fighting and keep pushing? You know, it may get frustrating, but the frustration just turns right into motivation because you know what you're capable of. So it's like, all right, I just have to go back to the drawing board and turn this into something even more than what other people, you know, expect from me. So it just makes me go that much harder in the weight room and that much harder on the court so that I can prove myself. We're talking to Gilbert Brown, who will play on the Milwaukee Bucks Summer League team. And now uh, Jabari Parker, he's going to be on that Summer League team. And to this point, you haven't had training camp, so you haven't been able to play with him. But how excited are you to pl- to have the opportunity to play with Jabari Parker? Uh, you know, I'm very excited with a young talent like Jabari Parker and what he's done in his his career so far. You know, it's, it's it's very exciting to say the least. You know, and I'm I'm re- I'm really looking forward to meeting him because he seems to be a high character guy and a hardworking right. guy. So I feel I feel like I'm a, I'm gonna enjoy myself uh, playing alongside of him this summer. 
you going to go at him hard during those practices? Of course. I, you know, <laughs> it's a competition. Everything is a competition, and I love it. So it's it's going to be interesting to see, say the least, that with these practices, with all the talent that they have with the uh, I think a tempo kid and, and Jabari Parker. So I'm looking forward to it. Now, you played in the D League last season. You played for the Canton Charge. You had a pretty de- pretty decent season. All in all, were you happy with what you did last year? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely I was. I feel like last year, me going to the D League, actually, you know, instead of overseas, got to show NBA scouts firsthand up close what I'm capable of doing and how I can contribute. So I was I was uh, happy that we had a successful D League season and that I played as well as I did. Now, as you said, you, you've been overseas. You've been to a lot of different places, Germany, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Turkey, Venezuela. Do you have a favorite destination? Uh, either Puerto Rico or Turkey were my best experiences. Okay. In, so, But I'd say uh, Turkey, more or less. It was just It was really nice over there. It was a different culture. And the basketball was good. And, you know, I had no complaints. None at all. For sure, for sure. Gilbert, I've been looking around, man. You're not on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I just, I don't tweet that much, but I'm on there. Okay, okay. So where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Uh, GBrown5 is my Twitter name. And same thing for my Instagram. So fans? Make sure you, you check his Twitter feed out. Check out his Instagram, Gilbert Brown, G Brown 5. This guy has a journey. He's looking to battle, looking to fight, and looking to get on an NBA roster as he goes to summer league with the Milwaukee Bucks. Las Vegas, man, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you got to stay out of there. you got to focus on that basketball. Oh, definitely. It's, it's, it's nothing new to me. I've, I've trained out Vegas. I've been out Vegas for a long time, so – my focus level is going to be on an all-time high. It's not going to be like it's a new experience where I want to get out and see the town. I'm there for business. Right. And, and you've, you've been through this summer league thing, so you kind of know what it's all about. Does that give you an advantage, you think? Uh, a little bit. I didn't actually get to go through summer league my first year because I was the lockout year. Okay. And, okay. And after, and after that, I signed overseas the uh, year after that. So this is actually going to be my first year in summer league. I think the only advantage I have is that I'm an experienced traveler, an experienced player, instead of me just being fresh out of college going into the summer league right. because I played in the D League and I've been in training camp, so I know how the NBA offenses and defenses work, so I know what the coaches want from you. So I think that's For where sure. I have an advantage on some of the rookies. Right. Fans, again, follow this man's journey. Hit his, hit his Twitter page up at gbrown 5 and support all the great things going on with Gilbert Brown as he journeys on trying to make an NBA roster. Gilbert, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Oh, definitely, man. I had a pleasure talking to you, too, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Take care. You too. Gilbert Brown playing for the Milwaukee Bucks Summer League team. Fans, support this man. As as he goes through, this is a journey. I mean, everybody, you know, making the NBA ain't easy. It ain't easy making an NBA roster. It's, it's just not. It's not easy at all. And so this guy who, who has ability, 
who has size, who, who has some ability, can put the ball in the basket. Let's see what he can do. And, and you know he's going to go at Jabari Parker hard. I mean, he's looking he's looking to get into the NBA. And, and why not go at the young boy hard, the young buck? I mean, you, you, everybody's fighting for their jobs. Everybody's fighting for their jobs. Everybody wants to make an impression. Everybody, everybody wants to make. And, and, and make it to the NBA and have a successful NBA career. I wish this guy nothing but the best of luck as he journeys on to Las Vegas in the summer league. Going to back to NBA and, and Jeremy Lin in that whole situation, you know, the Photoshop situation, Mellow photoshopped and Jeremy Lin's number seven. And obviously if you're Jeremy Lin, you know, you're a little frustrated. You're not too happy about that. None too happy about that. But at the end of the day, he's Carmelo Anthony, you're Jeremy Lin, and that's just the nature of the business. It's just the nature of the business. It's just like Jason Kidd. He made a power move. He made a power move, and he made a power move to go to the Milwaukee Bucks. May not seem fair, may not even seem right, seem right, may not even seem nice, but it is what it is, and this is this is this is what it is. This is business. And sometimes the business is not always nice. It's not always pretty. And speaking of not always nice and pretty in business, Lance Stevenson. Well, reports are they're at an impasse with him and the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers offered him five years, $44 million. Lance Stevenson, none too happy about that. And let's be honest, you know, Lance Stevenson had a heck of a season for the Indiana Pacers, had a heck of a season. And, you know, you can talk about some of the antics, the blowing in the ears, the, the touching of LeBron James, you know, not getting along with Evan Turner. Maybe some thought he was a little selfish throughout the course of the year. Roy Hibbert said there were some selfish dudes in that locker room. Maybe he was referring to, maybe he was referring to that man. Maybe he was referring to that man, Lance Stevenson. And so you look at Lance Stevenson now. Lance Stevenson, who, who had a big-time year for the Indiana Pacers, a big-time year, did it all, a do-it-all type of performance last season for Lance Stevenson in the Indiana Pacers. And so you look at the year he had, 13 points, seven boards, four assists a game. I mean, that's an impressive stat line for a guard. And so Lance Stevenson, as far as I'm concerned, you look at Jody Meeks, who got six mil a year. Ben Gordon got about $4 million a year. So you look at those guys, Avery Bradley got $8 million a year, four years, $32 million. So my question is, Lance Stevenson, if he was offered five years, 44, that is a smack in the face considering what Avery Bradley got. That is a smack in the face considering what uh, Jody Meeks got. That's a slap in the face. This is a $10 million guy. Ten-plus million-dollar-a-year guy. He had that type of year. He's a young guy, young, only 23 years old. And I know the antics are the antics, but he's only 23, so he can come over, you know, get over that kind of stuff. He can get over that kind of stuff. He can mature. He can become a better player and a better guy. You can't, and I know the Indiana Pacers don't want to pay the luxury tax. I know they don't want to do that. I know it. 
But you got to up the ante a little more if you want to keep Lance Stevenson. Five years, $44 million. For what we saw and the type of money that's being thrown around, obviously Lance Stevenson deserves more. It, it's, it, it's not enough. It's not enough. It, it's not enough. Five years, $44 million is not enough for Lance Stevenson. Obviously he wants more. As far as I'm concerned, he deserves more. The Lakers are interested. The Bulls are interested. The Hornets are interested. But obviously, they have to be smart, the Indiana Pacers, especially if they don't want to play the luxury tax. They got to be smart. They got a lot of money committed to a lot of guys. George, Hibbert, West, a lot of money. But at the end of the day, $44 million is not enough to keep Lane Stevenson. If if I'm his agent, I, I can't allow him to settle for that kind of money. Now, I know, you know, Indiana wants to be financially responsible, but when a guy like Jody Meeks gets $6 million a year, you know, you, you know, you got to start thinking about some things. you got to start thinking about some things. And I know Larry Bird and him have a great relationship. I know they have a great relationship. But you got to come more than that when it comes to Lance Stevenson. You're going to have to dig into your piggy bank and try to find a way to keep this man happy. You've got to find a way to make him happy. And maybe this thing will be work, work itself out, and maybe ultimately the Indiana Pacers will find a way to, to work this thing out, find a way to work it out, find a way to, to offer him a little more money. Because, you know, he had a big-time year. He had a big-time year. And, you know, the thing is, Indiana wants to stay below the luxury tax. They want to stay below the luxury tax. And one way they can do it, one way they can do it, possibly, is through Scola, by getting rid of Louis Scola. Maybe they can get rid of him, and they can find a way to, you know, to get a little bit more money. And if they were to get rid of Louis Scola and ultimately replace him for a minimal salary guy, they can up the ante for Lance Stevens to five years, fifty-seven million. Now you got to be careful. I mean, I mean, he's a ten, eleven million dollar a year guy. He he is, and he's going. That's what the market's probably going to bear for a guy like Lance Stevens. Twenty. Lance Stevenson, 23 years old, improving, getting better, has improved over the course of his career. You know, he's improved. He's shown improvement over the years. So he's getting better. The, the more money, the, the, he started out his career only averaging nine minutes a game, then went up to 10 minutes a game, ultimately went up to 29 minutes a game. And, you know, his points went up, his production went up. And then last season, he 13 points a game, but the, the rebounds, and the assists were impressive numbers when, you're, when it comes to talking about Lance Stevenson and what he brings to the table. This guy, Indiana needs him if they want to compete. They need him. Now, maybe you can think about an Evan Turner, and you know maybe you can think about Evan Turner and, and, and think about what you're going to do 
uh, there, and maybe, you know, if, if you don't get Lane Stevenson, maybe you make a run out of Evan Turner, who a guy you had on your roster last year, but a guy whose game is similar to Lance Stevenson on some level. I think Lance Stevenson is better. I'd rather have Lance Stevenson, but Evan Turner might come at a cheaper cost. Maybe. Didn't have much success in, in Indiana, but maybe he can come cheaper if you can't re-sign Lance Stevenson. But we'll see what happens. I think the Indiana Pacers are definitely going to find a way to make it work when it comes to Lance Stevenson and his contract and getting him on their roster. I want to thank Kurt Coleman for stopping by. Also want to thank Gilbert Brown for stopping by. And also want to thank Ian Anthony Dell for stopping by for murder in the first on TNT. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Hit us up on our YouTube, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash GoForItGant. For everybody here at GoForIt, we hope you have a happy 4th of July. We hope you have a happy barbecue, eat up some good food, celebrate, dance, watch some fireworks, and have a good old time. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great weekend and a great night. See you later. Take care.